footsteps behind you as you enter the woods. Night draws back its cape. Light illumines your path. Open your eyes. Listen. Welcome to Dark Softly Tales. Dark stories for dark hearts. I'm Mav Sky. Good evening and welcome to Your Nightmares, where we like to keep it dark and dreamy here at Dark Softly Tales. This is your host, Mav. And this week, we continue the journey of the fisherman and his soul. We're going to be keeping the intro short and sweet today. Um, as I told you all a couple weeks ago, I have a husky puppy now, and he's like absolutely the most wonderful thing that has happened in my life in a long time. He's just such a joy and so sweet and so happy all the time. But he's also super hyper and it's just, it just comes in phases where he's like so sweet and good and listening and then all of a sudden he gets super hyper and he'll start whining and practically bouncing off the walls. In fact, last night he loves to do this thing where he just pounces on the bed like on top of me in the middle of the night and scares the living daylights out of me. I'm starting to get a little bit used to it, but, or he'll like come up to the, beside the bed and like smack me in the face with his paw, which gets my attention, but he wants to play in the middle of the night. <laughs> that doesn't work for me. I don't know why. Anyway, so I did not get in his um, early morning exercise this morning. So now he is whining and really upset at me. It's like, take me out. So I'm going to be running out to take him for a walk. However, all of you lean back and enjoy this story. This story is pretty cool. I really, really loved it. And I hope that everyone finds something for themselves in this story. Take my hand and hang on tight as we journey into the dark softly. The Fisherman and His Soul by Oscar Wilde Narrated by Mav Sky Part 2 And that evening, when the moon had risen, the young fisherman climbed up to the top of the mountain and stood under the branches of the hornbeam. Like a targe of polished metal, the round sea lay at his feet, and the shadows of the fishing boats moved in the little bay. A great owl with yellow, sulfurous eyes called to him by his name, but he made it no answer. A black dog ran towards him and snarled. He struck it with a rod of willow, and it went away, whining. At midnight, the witches came flying through the air like bats. Phew! they cried, as they lit upon the ground. There is someone here we know not! And they sniffed about and chattered to each other and made signs. Last of all came the young witch with her red hair streaming in the wind. She wore a dress of gold tissue, embroidered with peacock's eyes, and a little cap of green velvet was on her head. Where is he? Where is he? 
shrieked the witches when they saw her. But she only laughed and ran to the hornbeam, and taking the fisherman by the hand, she led him out into the moonlight and began to dance. Round and round they whirled, and the young witch jumped so high that he could see the scarlet heels of her shoes. Then right across the dancers came the sound of the galloping of a horse, but no horse was to be seen, and he felt afraid. Faster, cried the witch, and she threw her arms around his neck, and her breath was hot upon his face. <laughs> faster, faster, she cried, and the earth seemed to spin beneath his feet, and his brain grew troubled, and a great terror fell on him, as of some evil thing that was watching him, and at last he became aware that under the shadow of a rock there was a figure that had not been there before. It was a man dressed in a suit of black velvet, cut in the Spanish fashion. His face was strangely pale, but his lips were like a proud red flower. He seemed weary and was leaning back, toying in a listless manner with the pummel of his dagger. On the grass beside him lay a plumed hat and a pair of riding gloves gauntleted with a gilt lace and sewed with seed pearls wrought in a curious device. A short cloak lined with sables hung from his shoulder and his delicate white hands were gemmed with rings. Heavy eyelids drooped over his eyes. The young fisherman watched him as one snared in a spell. At last, their eyes met, and wherever he danced, it seemed to him that the eyes of the man were upon him. He heard the witch laugh, and <laughs> caught her by the waist, and whirled her madly around and around. Suddenly, a dog bayed in the wood, and the dancers stopped, and going up two by two, knelt down and kissed the man's hands. And as they did so, a little smile touched his proud lips, as a bird's wing touches the water and makes it laugh. But there was disdain in it. He kept looking at the young fisherman. Come, let us worship, whispered the witch, and she led him up, and a great desire to do as she besought him seized on him, and he followed her. But when he came close, and without knowing why he did it, he made on his breast the sign of the cross and called upon the holy name. No sooner had he done so than the witches screamed like hawks and flew away, and the pallid face that had been watching him twitched with a spasm of pain. The man went over to a little wood and whistled. A genet with silver trappings came running to meet him. As he leapt upon the saddle, he turned around and looked at the young fisherman sadly. And the witch with her red hair tried to fly away also, but the fisherman caught her by her wrists and held fast. Loose me, she cried, and let me go, for thou hast named what should not be named and shown the sign that may not be looked at. Nay, he answered, but I will not let thee go till thou hast told me the secret. What secret? said the witch, wrestling with him like a wild cat and biting her foam-flecked lips. Thou knowest, he made answer. 
Her grass green eyes grew dim with tears, and she said to the fisherman, Ask me anything but that. He laughed and held her all the more tightly, and when she saw that she could not free herself, she whispered to him, Surely I'm as fair as the daughters of the sea, and as comely as those that dwell in the blue waters. And she fawned on him and put her face close to his. But he thrust her back, frowning, and said to her, If thou keepest not the promise that thou madest to me, I will slay thee for a false witch. She grew gray as a blossom of the Judas tree, and shuddered. Be it so, she muttered. It is thy soul and not mine. Do with it as thou wilt. And she took from her girdle a little knife that had a handle of green viper's skin and gave it to him. What shall this serve me? he asked her of wondering. She was silent for a few moments, and a look of terror came over her face. Then she brushed her hair back from her forehead, and smiling strangely, she said to him, What men call the shadow of the body is not the shadow of the body, but it is the body of the soul. Stand on the seashore with thy back to the moon, and cut away from around thy feet thy shadow, which is thy soul's body, and bid thy soul leave thee, and it will do so. The young fisherman trembled. Is this true? He murmured. It is true, and I would that I had not told thee of it. She cried, and she clung to his knees, weeping. He put her from him and left her in the rank grass, and going to the edge of the mountain, he placed the knife in his belt and began to climb down. And his soul that was within him called out to him and said, Lo, I have dwelt with thee for all these years, and I have been thy servant. Send me not away from thee now, for what evil have I done thee? And the young fisherman laughed. Thou hast done me no evil, but I have no need of thee, he answered. The world is wide, and there is heaven also, and hell, and that dim twilight house that lies between. Go wherever thou wilt, but trouble me not, for my love is calling to me. And his soul besought him piteously, but he heeded it not, but leapt from crag to crag, being sure-footed as a wild goat, and at last he reached the level ground and the yellow shore of the sea. Bronze-limbed and well-lit, like a statue wrought by a Grecian, he stood on the sand with his back to the moon, and out of the foam came white arms that beckoned to him, and out of the waves rose dim forms that did him homage. Before him lay his shadow, which was the body of his soul, and behind him hung the moon and the honey-colored air. And his soul said to him, If indeed thou must drive me from thee, send me not forth without a heart. The world is cruel. Give me thy heart to take with me. He tossed his head and smiled. With what should I love my love if I gave thee my heart? He cried. Nay, but be merciful, said his soul. Give me thy heart, for the world is very cruel, and I am afraid. My heart is my love's, 
He answered, Therefore tarry not, but get thee gone. Should I not love also? Asked his soul. Get thee gone, for I have no need of thee, cried the young fisherman. And he took the little knife with its handle of green viper skin and cut away his shadow from around his feet. And it rose up and stood before him and looked at him, and it was even as himself. He crept back and thrust the knife into his belt, and a feeling of awe came over him. Get thee gone, he murmured, and let me see thy face no more. Nay, but we must meet again, said the soul. Its voice was low and flute-like, and its lips hardly moved while it spake. How shall we meet? cried the young fisherman. Thou wilt not follow me into the depths of the sea? Once every year I will come to this place and call to thee, said the soul. It may be that thou wilt have need of me. What need should I have of thee? cried the young fisherman. But be it as thou wilt. And he plunged into the water, and the tritons blew their horns, and the little mermaid rose up to meet him, and put her arms around his neck and kissed him on the mouth. And the soul stood on the lonely beach, and watched them. And when they had sunk down into the sea, it went away over the marshes. And after a year was over, the soul came down to the shore of the sea, and called to the young fisherman. And he rose out of the deep and said, Why dost thou call to me? And the soul answered, Come nearer, that I may speak with thee, for I have seen marvelous things. So he came nearer, and couched in the shallow water, and leaned his head upon his hand and listened. And the soul said to him, When I left thee, I turned my face to the east, and journeyed. From the east cometh everything that is wise. Six days I journeyed, and on the morning of the seventh day, I came to a hill that is in the country of the Tartars. I sat down under the shade of a tamarisk tree to shelter myself from the sun. The land was dry and burnt up with heat. The people went to and fro over the plain, like flies crawling upon a disk of polished copper. When it was noon, a cloud of red dust rose up from the flat rim of the land. When the Tartars saw it, they strung their painted bows, and having leapt upon their little horses, they galloped to meet it. The women fled screaming to the wagons and hid themselves behind the felt curtains. At twilight, the Tartars returned, but five of them were missing. And of those that came back, not a few had been wounded. They harnessed their horses to the wagons and drove hastily away. Three jackals came out of a cave and peered after them. Then they sniffed up the air with their nostrils and trotted off in the opposite direction. When the moon rose, I saw a campfire burning on the plain and went towards it. A company of merchants were seated around it on carpets. Their camels were picketed behind them. Their servants were pitching tents of tanned skin upon the sand and making a high wall of the prickly pear. And as I came near them, the chief of the merchants rose up and drew his sword and asked me my business. I answered that I was a prince in my own land 
and that I had escaped from the Tartars, who had sought to make me their slave. The chief smiled and showed me five heads fixed upon long reeds of bamboo. Then he asked me who was the prophet of God, and I answered him, Mohammed. When he heard the name of the false prophet, he bowed and took me by the hand and placed me by his side. A servant brought me some mare's milk in a wooden dish and a piece of lamb's flesh roasted. At daybreak, we started on our journey. I rode on a red-haired camel by the side of the chief, and a runner ran before us carrying a spear. The men of war were on either hand, and the mules followed with the merchandise. There were forty camels in the caravan, and the mules were twice forty in number. We went from the country of the Tartars into the country of those who cursed the moon. We saw the griffins guarding their gold on the white rocks, and the scaled dragons sleeping in their caves. As we passed over the mountains, we held our breath lest the snows might fall on us, and each man tied a veil of gauze before his eyes. As we passed through the valleys, the pygmies shot arrows at us from the hollows of the trees, and at night time we heard the wild men beating on their drums. When we came to the Tower of Apes, we set fruits before them, and they did not harm us. When we came to the Tower of Serpents, we gave them warm milk and bowls of brass, and they let us go by. Three times in our journey we came to the banks of the Oxus. We crossed it on rafts of woods with great bladders of blown hide. The river horses raged against us and sought to slay us. When the camels saw them, they trembled. The kings of each city levied tolls on us, but would not suffer us to enter the gates. They threw us bread over the walls, little maize cakes baked in honey and cakes of fine flour filled with dates. For every hundred baskets, we gave them a bead of amber. When the dwellers in the village saw us coming, they poisoned the wells and fled to the hill summits. We fought with the Magadae, who were born old, and grow younger and younger every year, and die when they are little children. And with the Loctroi, who say they are the sons of tigers, and paint themselves yellow and black. And with the Arants, who bury their dead on the top of trees and themselves live in dark caverns, lest the sun, who is their god, should slay them. And with the Crimineans, who worship a crocodile, and give it earrings of green grass, and feed it with butter and fresh fowl, and with the Axonbe, who are dog-faced, and with the Sibians, who have horses' feet, and run more swiftly than horses. A third of our company died in battle, and a third died of want. The rest murmured against me and said that I had brought them an evil fortune. I took a horned adder from beneath a stone and let it sting me. When they saw that I did not sicken, they grew afraid. In the fourth month, we reached the city of Ael. It was nighttime when we came to the grove that is outside the walls, and the air was sultry for the moon was trembling and scorpion. We took the ripe pomegranates from the trees and break them and drank their sweet juices. Then we lay down on our carpets and waited for the dawn. 
And at dawn we rose and knocked at the gate of the city. It was wrought out of red bronze, and carved with sea dragons and dragons that have wings. The guards looked down from the battlements and asked us our business. The interpreter of the caravan answered that we had come from the island of Syria with much merchandise. They took hostages and told us that they would open the gate to us at noon and bade us tarry till then. When it was noon, they opened the gate. And as we entered in, the people came crowding out of the houses to look at us. And a crier went round the city, crying through a shell. We stood in the marketplace. And the servants uncorded the bales of figured cloths and opened the carved chests of sycamore. And when they had ended their task, the merchants set forth their strange wares, the waxed linen from Egypt, and the painted linen from the country of the Ethops, the purple sponges from Tyre, and the blue hangings from Sidon the cups of cold amber and the fine vessels of glass and the curious vessels of burnt clay. From the roof of a house, a company of women watched us. One of them wore a mask of gilded leather. And on the first day, the priest came and bartered with us. And on the second day came the nobles. And on the third day came the craftsmen and the slaves. And this is their custom with all merchants as long as they tarry in the city. And we tarried for a moon, and when the moon was waning, I wearied and wandered away through the streets of the city and came to the garden of its god. The priests in their yellow robes moved silently through the green trees, and on a pavement of black marble stood the rose-red house in which the god had his dwelling. Its doors were of powdered lacquer, and bowls and peacocks were wrought on them in raised and polished gold. The tiled roof was of sea-green porcelain, and the jutting eaves were festooned with little bells. When the white doves flew past, they struck the bells with their wings and made them tinkle. In front of the temple was a pool of clear water paved with veined onyx. I lay down beside it and with my pale fingers I touched the broad leaves. One of the priests came towards me and stood behind me. He had sandals on his feet, one of soft serpent skin and the other of bird's plumage. On his head was black felt decorated with silver crescents. Seven yellows were woven into his robe and his frizzled hair was stained with atimony. And after a little while, he spake to me and asked me my desire. I told him that my desire was to see the god. Mmm, the god is hunting, said the priest, looking strangely at me with his small slanting eyes. Tell me in what forest and I will ride with him, I answered. He combed out the soft fringes of his tunic with his long pointed nails. Mmm. The god is asleep, he murmured. Oh, tell me on what couch, and I will watch by him, I answered. Oh, the god is at the feast, he cried. If the wine be sweet, I will drink it with him, and if it be bitter, I will drink it with him also, was my answer. 
He bowed his head in wonder, and taking me by the hand, he raised me up and led me into the temple. And in the first chamber, I saw an idol seated on a throne of jasper, bordered with great orient pearls. It was carved out of ebony, and in stature was of the stature of a man. On its forehead was a ruby, and thick oil dripped from its hair onto its thighs. Its feet were red with the blood of a newly slain kid, and its loins girt with a copper belt that was studded with seven burls. And I said to the priest, Is this the God? And he answered me, This is the God. Show me the God, I cried, or I will surely slay thee. And I touched his hand, and it became withered. And the priest besought me, saying, Let my Lord heal his servant, and I will show him the God. So I breathed my breath upon his hand, and it became whole again. And he trembled and led me into the second chamber. And I saw an idol standing on a lotus of jade hung with great emeralds. It was carved out of ivory, and in stature was twice the stature of a man. On its forehead was a chrysolite, and its breasts were smeared with mirror and cinnamon. In one hand, it held a crooked scepter of jade, and in the other, a round crystal. It wore bunskins of brass, and its thick neck was circled with a circle of selenites. And I said to the priest, Is this the god? And he answered me, This is the god. Show me the god, I cried, or I will surely slay thee. And I touched his eyes, and they became blind. So I breathed with my breath upon his eyes, and the sight came back to them, and he trembled again, and led me into the third chamber. And lo, there was no idol in it, nor image of any kind, but only a mirror of round metal sat on an altar of stone. And I said to the priest, Where is the God? And he answered me, There is no God but this mirror that thou seest, for this is the mirror of wisdom, and it reflects all things that are in heaven and on earth, save only the face of him who looketh into it. This it reflecteth not, so that he who looketh into it may be wise. Many other mirrors are there, but they are mirrors of opinion. This only is the mirror of wisdom, and they who possess this mirror know everything, nor is there anything hidden from them. And they who possess it not have not wisdom. Therefore it is the God, and we worship it. And I looked into the mirror, and it was even as he had said to me, And I did a strange thing, but what I did matters not. For in a valley that is but a day's journey from this place have I hidden the mirror of wisdom. But do not suffer me to enter into thee again, and be thy servant, and thou shalt be wiser than all the wise men, and wisdom shall be thine. Suffer me to enter into thee, and none will be as wise as thou. But the young fisherman laughed. 
Love is better than wisdom, he cried, and the little mermaid loves me. Nay, but there is nothing better than wisdom, said the soul. Love is better, answered the young fisherman, and he plunged into the deep, and the soul went weeping away over the marshes. Who likes dark stories? People who have experienced a touch of the dark side. People who are a little wiser to the world. People who like their bones chilled and their spines tingled. People like you and me. It's hard to find a story these days that write on the dark side with a touch of whimsy, humor, and heart. Mavsky spreads her dark wings and solves this problem for you. Head on over to Amazon and type Mavsky's name into the search engine. M-A-V-S-K-Y-E. At Amazon, you'll find her Tales to Chill Your Bones series, Girl Clown Hatchet series, Supergirl series, her cult classic novel, Wanted Single Rails, and, of course, her brand new release, Cold Hangs the Midnight. Choose your dark flavor and head on over to Amazon today.